Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I, I, me, myself, and I, M.H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines. And I'm Carrie Doherty on a delay once again um, because I still don't have my MacBook back. So I'm on headphones again today, but this should be the last week, guys. And it's fine. And this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and talk about it, but we ran out of those episodes. And then we broke down all the fantastic 24 episodes of the spinoff, The Golden Palace, but we ran out of those episodes too. And now, now, this month, we are doing all of the holiday moments, all kinds of fun holiday stuff, because we can do whatever the hell we want now. Isn't that fun, Carrie? That it's so fun. And it's so just right up the holly jolly holiday alley. That's right. This month, we are doing all Beyond Golden Girls, uh, where we're covering the many film and TV projects that B, Betty, Rue, and Estelle did, sometimes after the Golden Girls, sometimes before the Golden Girls, sometimes <sighs> during the Golden Girls. And this month, for the month of December, it is holiday-themed, which, of course, of course, for a holiday-themed Beyond Golden Girls, we had to talk about the Star Wars holiday special, which B. Arthur appeared in back in 1978, pre-Golden Girls. I mean... This is, I have, a so people have been writing in to us about the holiday stuff and how much they loved the Murder, She Wrote episode. People loved that. It wasn't a holiday one, but they loved the Murder, She Wrote one, which I'm so glad right. that everyone responded so well to the Murder, She Wrote one. And Same. people responded very well to the Mary Tyler Moore one. So I really, I really think people are, I hope you guys are liking this. I was so eager to do the Star Wars one because it's such a weird thing that B. Arthur did that she even acknowledges was kind of weird and everyone universally acknowledges was a very weird moment for everybody involved and i love i love that it exists and i love that nobody involved with it wants anyone to see it i love it yeah yes i mean yes it's it is so i feel like disliked i mean it's it's definitely one of those, it's very iconic, I feel like, in the Star Wars universe, but it, it is so disliked that not even Disney Plus will put it on the platform. <laughs> um, the the Boba Fett animated short, I believe, is on Disney Plus, but if you want to watch the Star Wars holiday special, you have to yeah. watch it on YouTube. Because that's the most famous thing to come out of it was Boba Fett, which is a still, to this day, a big a big thing. I mean, I don't know much about Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I will freely admit that right now. I I, I I think I have a real appreciation for Star Wars now because at Disneyland, which I am a season pass holder for, they have the the Star Wars area, which is fantastic. And the ride there, um, Rise of the Resistance, I think is the one ride. And it is phenomenal. It is the best ride I have ever been on in my life. It's not like a roller coaster. It's unlike any other ride I've ever been on. It's incredible. So I have an appreciation for Star Wars. And I, I have a huge appreciation for the women 
of Star Wars. I love, there probably is not a female character I don't love in the Star Wars world. It's just, I obsess over them. I, I figured I was going to ask you what your connection to Star Wars was. And I, I didn't even think, of course, like the ride because you were such a, a Disney theme park fanatic. Yeah. Um, so that totally makes sense. I've also, I've seen like walkthrough of the ride um, and like when they were building it. Oh God, I watched all of the documentaries. When I little Oreo is old not, enough, we need to go. Yeah. It does it spin or like go really fast. I mean, I have, I will ride any ride. I don't have like an aversion to rides, but I don't like roller coasters. It just doesn't, it's just not what I like. Um, I don't think it goes fast. And Michael hates like fast rides as well. And he's not really bothered by Star Wars. So it's not, it's not like, it's not uncomfortably fast at all. It's normal fast. You know what I mean? Does it spin? Does it spin? No, it doesn't spin because I don't do spin. I don't do anything that turns me around and makes me sick. I'm very much a nauseous person. So I don't do anything like that. Okay. All right. I'll consider it. You'll love um, it. I would say, so my Star Wars knowledge falls like between like amateur and somewhat proficient. Like I've seen every movie, oh, like I a, watch Mandalorian. That's a large and... gap actually, Carrie. Amateur to somewhat proficient. <laughs> I mean, that's like a that's wide why I said somewhat proficient. <laughs> okay. I didn't say expert. Like I have like intermediate, you know, I watch Mandalorian. Like I know not to call Grogu baby Yoda, you know, yeah. I've seen all the movies. I know the difference between an Ewok and a Wookiee and a Snooki. Like I know all of that. I don't stuff. know any of that. Those so, like cookies but... to me. I don't know any of that. <laughs> well, so I will say though, um, well, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did you watch the whole Star Wars holiday special? I have before. I didn't watch it for this. I only watched B's part, but I have watched the entire thing before. Yes. Okay, I had not watched all of it before, and I watched the first 12 minutes while I was kind of taking my preliminary notes, and I was like, I cannot do this. So I fast-forwarded <laughs> to the B. Arthur part, which for anybody who wants to do it like me is about a, an hour and seven minutes in. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing, guys. We're we are not going to walk through the whole plot of the Star Wars holiday This is special. a Golden Girls um, podcast. Neither one of us. a Star Wars podcast. Well... Not only that, but like you can't treat it like a standalone film, like yeah, Stop no. or My Mom Will Shoot. It's so no. bizarre. I also, I don't want to piss off any Star Wars fans who, yeah. if I don't, like when they were in the bar, I recognized Stormtroopers and all the other creatures. I was like, oh, I don't know if those exist in the Star Wars universe. No. So I don't want to, because we can't talk about it like a standalone movie you know, I, I would rather just not we'll focus on B. I would just rather not walk through the whole plot of it. We'll focus on B. And then there were like a few things that I did want to point out about, mm. you know, what I did watch. In, um, but yeah. I do have some other stuff to say about it. But before yeah. we get into the holiday special and um, my favorite B. Arthur B. Arthur's role thing. in it. My absolute favorite. I mean, I yes, love the Star Wars one. Yes, we have to one, talk about it. And I love the mod episodes of the Christmas episodes. But my absolute favorite, the Arthur holiday moment is her commercials for Shoppers Drug Mart. I, these commercials are iconic. People, if you're in the Golden Girls world and you follow literally any Golden Girls account online, ours or any other, you will see these commercials for Shoppers Drug Mart. It is such a wild thing that B. Arthur did in the 19, from 1984 until 1992. She had a deal with Shoppers Drug Mart, which is a Canadian 
chain of drugstores, primarily in Canada, although I read that they exist in like Israel and like other random parts of the world. Like it's, but they're still family owned, which I was very surprised to learn. At least the article I read, they're still family owned, which was very surprising. But they're still in existence today. Shoppers, drug marts, people still go get their prescriptions filled to Shoppers, drug marts. Crazy. And B. Arthur, she had in, she had never really done commercials before, right? She had never like, she didn't really want to get into that area of doing commercials. And I mean, she, she did Premarin. Or well, no, I guess that wasn't really a commercial. No, that was a that was, was like, like a, a PSA for don't exactly, use Premarin. Exactly. Because of the horse urine. Yeah. <laughs> she hadn't done what Betty White did quite a bit in the 1970s. She did a lot of commercials in the 1970s. Um, but B. Arthur kind of avoided all of that in the 70s. And it was in the 1980s that she agreed to do the Shoppers Drug Mart. Now, I found a quote. It says, this is on a blog, and this is, they're quoting the Toronto Star here, that she had an interview with the Toronto Star, and she said this. I don't, I could not find any evidence. As the journalist in me, I tried very hard to find evidence of this quote existing in the actual Toronto Star, but I don't have that. So I say, I'm, I'm quoting this with a little skepticism of the authenticity of the quote, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, B. Arthur said of it, that she stayed away from commercials until this thing came along. My agent told me it would be okay because not only would it pay a lot of money, but nobody in the United States would see it. <laughs> and I actually, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I love that that was her logic. <laughs> I love that. That's a perfect quote. If it's so I, I was actually thinking that. I imagine it's real because huge movie stars like Brad Pitt, like yeah. they, so many of them do these, these international commercials for other countries because they get paid so much money and because they know it's never going to be shown in America. So yeah, yeah you can find like luxury in the 80s, like, and 90s you know, because they, they didn't have the internet to see these commercials. Now we can see a Japanese commercial featuring Julia Roberts. Like we can actually look that up and see that in this day and age. Right. But in the 1980s right. they couldn't. Right. So she was probably safe. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they are. I mean, we've, we've definitely talked about them on the podcast before. I feel like we've played some cause there's one where she's like flying through the air, like yes. Superman. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize there was a whole string of holiday commercials, which of course there are. And so last night you were texting me and you were like, Oh, we've got to talk about the yeah. Christmas commercials for ShopRite. And my phone's just going bing, Shoppers bing, Drug Mart. Bing, bing. And it's, Sorry, Shoppers Drug Mart. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. That, People I in just Canada are like, <laughs> oh, they're shaking their fists, all four of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but my phone was just dinging and dinging because you just kept finding them and sending yeah. them. And yeah. we listened to them. And so many of them have like little visual gags, but there's one that we just kind of wanted to play because in all of them, she so likely it's sort of like set up the campaign. I can't tell if this was just one campaign or if this was over multiple years, but she's always with Santa Claus, who she calls Nikki, which I really like. Um, yeah. And she's always talking about the different deals. And there's always this kind of like frenetic energy about them because, well, because I feel like that's what you have to have the in the commercial. Why, the reason why they had that was in 1984 after having been around for, I think, like 20 years as a drugstore, they completely, I think they went under new ownership in the 1980s, not new ownership, but like new management in the 1980s. And they had this new slogan that they wanted to sell. And that's when they brought B. Arthur in to sell this slogan, which is everything you want in a drugstore. And it was her being sort of very frenetic and like 
energetic, which is not something we expect from B. Arthur, but is her being really excited about everything you want. You can get everything at Shoppers Drug Mart. You can even develop your film. I mean, it's like she's really pushing that this is you at your get your groceries here even. Like she's even going that far. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So I think we should play the one up with the the pearl earrings and necklace set for $10. I love it. I can't believe we flew all the way to Shoppers Drug Mart for Christmas gifts. Oh, Nikki, a cab was too expensive. Besides, where else could you find beautiful cultured pearls for only $10? What? With any beauty or fragrance purchase, I can buy this exquisite pendant and earring set. $10 for genuine cultured pearls? I'm going to fill my sack. Ho, 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 ho. Just leave room for the Corvette. Shoppers Drug Mart, everything you want in a drugstore. I just, I can't even with how fun that was. Like it. I, it's so, it's so good. I, I can't, I can't believe there wasn't another joke where he said something, he said the thing about like filling his sack and she like looks right to the camera and I was like, sex joke, sex joke, sex joke. And instead she went, just don't forget to leave room for a Corvette. And I was like, oh yeah, children are probably watching this. You probably know that she made some kind of joke on set and she was like, oh, Sorry, it's Canada. We have to keep it clean. <laughs> that sorry, that was that was an ad lib. <laughs> Remember? Oh, God. take me, Biff. It's so um, funny. Oh, yeah, no, oh, I love so these good, commercials. But- I'm such a I'm such a mm. sucker for uh, '80s '90s commercials. I I love them. They're so insane because we got to there was something about and you guys know this because it's been a long time since i've said this but since the worst human ever to exist ronald reagan um uh was president and there was something about his administration in the 80s there where it was very much like consumer me 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 bye 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 everyone bye and the economy in the late 80s was doing better and whatever and there was and you saw that in the commercials and i even think you see it in this commercial too where it's just sort of like just buy just buy. You won't believe what you can buy here. Buy this. You need this. And it's so, it's so, it's almost jarring. But I, I, because it was my childhood, because it was like the 90s time where I saw all these commercials, I really, I mean, I think they still have an effect on me to this day. You know what I mean? Like, I am very persuaded by advertising. I just am. I'm one of those people. I buy things and I, I, I buy too much things. I buy too many things, I think. I love a deal. I'm very much like my mother-in-law. Like I'm still thinking about the fact that I could go into a, um, what's it called again? Shoppers Drug Shoppers, Mart. Shoppers Drug Mart. Thank you. Yeah. Those words are all so generic. There's nothing like. Everything really, you, you know. want in a drugstore. Yeah. See, but that's not the, yeah. So <laughs> what I like is I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I love the idea that you can just like buy a perfume and then get, a pearl necklace, cultured pearls. They specifically say it's cultured <laughs> pearls for $10. That seems like such a great deal. I understand that that's not $10 today, Yeah, no. but you know, that's, I don't want to do that math, but what a great deal. I love sales, even though, so here's the thing. I'm going to tell you this quick anecdote and then we'll take a break, but I, I they get me every year shutterfly oh, they yeah. have all these amazing sales because i love to get like well we talked get, about like, it with that candle like, oh yeah the shutterfly candle 
Um, I love, they, they always have deals going on. They're always like everything in the store is 60% off in like August. And I'm like, Oh, this is such a great deal. And then shipping is like $30. They'll get you with the shipping. Like that's where they get you. Always get you with the shipping. It like, it it never fails. Yeah. If somebody says free shipping to me and the cost of things are a little bit higher, that also fools me. I'm like, well, free shipping, that's amazing. Shipping costs so much money, but they're just but they're just raising the price of the you products know that I'm buying. So it's the same I would have spent on shipping. We're all dumb. Consumers you know what else gets dumb. me? We're I agree. We're I dumb agree. dumb. We are dumb dumbs. But what else gets me is when now you can do it in installment payments, which has always kind of been a thing, but because of Afterpay and all these new apps that they have, they're like, I wanted a, a really good vacuum cleaner. And you know, you know how much I love vacuum cleaners. Like I, 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 I love to vacuum. I just, it's, 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 it's one of my greatest pleasures in life is vacuuming. And I really wanted a Dyson. I just wanted it. I just, I, 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 I look through so many different vacuum cleaners and I wanted a friggin' Dyson, but I could not because I'm a frugal person, even though I love to shop, I'm a frugal person. And I could not see myself spending $600 on a vacuum cleaner. Like I, that just felt absurd to me, you know, but I could wait for it to go on sale and then buy it in installments. So I'm not having the, the impact of a $400 purchase, which I waited for it to go down for a black Friday moment or whatever it was labor day. I think it was. And I bought it for like 400 some dollars, newer model. And I'm, I paid it off in four months. And I was like, this is great for me. Now I, I would not suggest everyone to do this because it can get out of hand. If you, if you don't have self-control and you just put everything on Afterpay, like, don't do that. But it worked for me, and I am very satisfied. You can see my my Dyson hanging on the wall right here. and I, look I can. At it, it's beautiful. I look at it every single morning, and I'm like, this was good for you me. You spend that much on a vacuum. That's not going in a closet or no. under a bed or anything. No. I want people to see it. And sometimes I like to you keep display it. it. I like to keep the dust that I've picked up with it in the container so that people can see, mm-hmm. A, it's being used and be how great it is. Yeah. You leave that out for people to see. You say, this is, this is, this is my wealth right here. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. good. Thank you. Should we, should we take a little break and <laughs> dive into the star Wars holiday special? Yes, we very much should. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm sitting back. I've taken a sip of my tea. I've cracked my knuckles. The Star Wars Holiday Special. It aired November 17th, 1978 on CBS because oh. this was before ABC owned Disney. Yeah. So it was on CBS. The IMDb description of this is Chewbacca and Han Solo try to get the Wookiees home world of, ooh, is it Kashyyyk? To celebrate Life Day, but are impeded by an Imperial blockade. Chewie's family passes the time with various forms of entertainment. So we've already said that this this was not very popular amongst the cast. Yeah. Uh, George Lucas, he was like, you I'd like to go back and it. smash. Yeah. Yeah, it was so. But it does, it does. The, the, the reason. It does have a place mm-hmm. in the Star Wars sort of lexicon in the early years because it does. The events of this special are meant to have taken place between the first film. So not the first in the series because I can never remember the order, but the first film in 1977 
and the, the, of the sequel that followed in 1980, right? Yes. So, yeah. So the, the original Star Wars was, was the first one. Now it's called A New Hope. Um, the Empire Strikes Back was the second one. Um, yes, it was set between the events, um, but it's also because it was shot between the yeah. events. Um, so I, I and I think why this special happened, you know, Star Wars was it was initially released in limited theaters, but it was immediately popular. It had a wider release. It blew up. It grossed over five hundred and fifty million dollars during the during its initial run. It like they would be past Jaws in billion. terms of box office. Yeah. Like they were cashing in on this, and so I think for whatever reason, someone decided, hey, let's do a Christmas special. Like Christmas specials were like, you know, they were a big thing, especially in the eighties. Um, this particular special, it feels as soon as you start this thing it immediately feels like a holiday special yeah. they're introducing all of the actors and characters like the the narrator like carrie fisher is princess leia with like mm -hmm. her face in a little like silhouette circle on the screen and with the guest stars because they had you know it was harrison ford it was mark hamill it was carrie fisher um yeah. you know peter mayhew is chewbacca it was all the original cast members and then they had all of these guest stars and you can tell that they were really trying to engage new audience members to partake in the Star Wars fandom. Older Specifically the members. TV watching audience, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. you look at the guest stars, right? All, all like famous TV stars. You have Beatrice Arthur from Maud, Art Carney from The Honeymooners, Diane Carroll from Julia. Um, they had the Jefferson Starship performing. They even had this animated shirt, short, like we said, introducing Boba Fett. So they're trying to get kids involved, you yeah. know? So it really did feel like they were truly trying to make this for the whole family. This is going to be for everyone. Yeah. Uh, this special was directed by a man named Steve Binder, who is a TV director. Uh, TV director. He also directed and produced a bunch of specials for TV. Um, Bruce Valanche was one of the writers. You know, he writes for award shows. Bruce so Valanche. Iconic Bruce Valanche. I worked Valanche. with him once and um, he's the nicest human being in the world. He really is. I did as well at the oh. IMDb Oscars show, oh, and he yes. was very, very kind. He's, he's he a longtime writer for the Oscars, and he's he's more he's more famous now probably for being one of Bette Midler's go-to writers. Mm, yes, he's very funny, such a character. Um, so at the time, you know, most TV specials were about an hour long. Yeah. With commercials, this thing was a whopping two hours, and the 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 little that I did watch it made sense because there is a moment in the in the bar in the cantina where B Arthur is literally walking from table to table talking to every creature trying to convince all of them to get out of the bar it went on for way too long yeah there was a scene where um Chewie's wife, Mala, she's trying to cook a meal while trying to follow along with a chef on TV who's played by Harvey Corman, kind of in like this like drag alien Harvey, character. Harvey Corman from uh, Carol Burnett show. Yes, of course. And watching that scene, I was like, you know, when you're at a show at UCB and there's a sketch that's going on and it's like three or four minutes longer than it should be, like the comedy yeah. isn't heightening anymore. They're just repeating the same beats. That's what it felt I mean, like. Most of the um, show at UCB. <laughs> I, I mean, no, I won't say that. I've seen some really good things at UCB. I've seen, I've so, seen, I've seen <laughs> So I, and very quickly, so I'm going to get into B. Arthur, but I want to tell you a very embarrassing story about Star Wars and myself. Oh, please. Um, 
my very first um, job in television was working as a writer's assistant on the Goldbergs. And I was, it was like one of my first days sitting at the computer where you write all the notes yeah. for the writers and it's projected onto a big TV. And there were like 15 people sitting at a table in the middle of the room and I'm in the corner on the little computer and I'm trying yeah. to whatever. And one of the writers, his name is Andy. He pitched a joke about star Wars and I'm writing it down and he's like, blah, blah, blah. And Han Solo, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Oh, I said, sorry. Is it Han's solo <laughs> or Han solo? And he, and he slowly turned around. I can tell this story now because we're friends. He slowly turned around and he looked at me and he went, what? And I went, <laughs> sorry, is, is it Hans? And he was like, Hans solo. What, do you think he's a little Dutch boy who's walking around <laughs> in the Netherlands? <laughs> and it was the most embarrassed I've ever been, not in my entire life, but certainly at a job, I think. Um, oh, anyway, so that I, is my I, embarrassing Star Wars story. I would have, I would have owned that. I, I kind of love being embarrassed. I do want to say something about not B. Arthur's involvement in this, but B. Arthur's career at this moment when the yes. special came out. So Maud had ended its its run in 1978, a couple of months before the special aired. So Maud was like off the air at this point, and B. Arthur really wasn't going in a different direction she was just kind of laying low and doing guest spots on things she did the mary tyler moore show that next year after after this special she did soap which susan harris of course was involved with and so that's probably could be where that plant that seed was dropped for susan harris when she did soap. well but susan harris had also was also a writer on mod yes so. yes so she had known all that yeah. but it was it yeah. was it was a time in, in B. Arthur's life where I feel like there was like a lot of sort of, and also at this time too, just on television, like you said, there were so many specials. It was like every celebrity under the sun who could sing, act, and maybe dance had some kind of a special. Goldie Hawn and Liza Minnelli had a special together. Like That's incredible. Are, I didn't know that. There are specials out there that sometimes you think about it and you're like, Wait, why did they have a special? And it and I'm so grateful they did because it's like the most cringe, wonderful television ever. And we they don't really do a lot of that anymore. And it kind of makes me sad. I want the specials back. I want an hour with like you, you know, I don't know, Dionne Warwick. So this is not you're not the audience for this, but there is a boy band Christmas or holiday special that came out, I think like a year ago, hmm. that is on Disney Plus, maybe. I don't know. It's on one of the apps but it's a bunch of different former boy band members and they do oh. like a Christmas, like a holiday special. It's I cute. I watched that. it. I enjoy it. I did just I watch Dolly it. Parton's holiday special on NBC. And even though it was bad, it was good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, Dolly can do no wrong in my eyes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people are going, okay, so B. Arthur had just come off of Maude like why was she doing the star wars holiday special so here's why she was doing it um uh in an interview i don't know where i forget where i pulled this from i'm not a journalist like you so forgive me <laughs> um but she was friends with two of the producers ken and mitzi welch um who were uh they were writers i think uh and, and they were also composers um, and producers and I think they had worked on like the Carol Burnett show as well um, and so they they wrote the song that she sings in um, the Star Wars holiday special Good Night But Not Goodbye 
Um, so, you know, it sounds like it's, you know, B. Arthur being like, yeah, sure, I'll work with friends. And yeah. then you pulled a really great quote from Screen Rant, yeah. um, which is this, this is what she had to say about kind of the experience. Quote, I didn't, I'm going to try to do her voice. I have a little bit of a uh, cold, so I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can do it. Okay. Quote, I didn't know what that was all about at all. I was asked to be in it by the composer of that song I sang, Good Night But Not Goodbye. It was a wonderful time, but I had no idea it was even part of the whole Star Wars thing. I just remember singing to a bunch of people with funny heads. I mean, I mean B. Arthur, there I is, love it. She didn't is, even know it was part of Star Wars. She didn't even know, which I love so very much. So very much. What a wonderful moment. What a wonderful moment. So um, the, okay. So B. Arthur plays, she's in this for a couple of minutes, less than 10 yeah. minutes. Like we said, it's about an, if you want to fast forward to her part, it's about an hour and seven or eight minutes. And she plays Akmina, the singing bartender, slinging drinks on the planet of Tatooine. Um, Which I believe the bar, that, I believe the bar is what they used as inspiration for the bar that you can go to at Disneyland. Oh, that's cool. I could I be wrong that. on that. I mean, people, Star Wars people could be yelling at me right now, but whenever I go into that bar, I think of this B. Arthur moment. So that's just me, maybe. I don't know. Okay, okay. Um, I will say, I would maybe recommend fast-forwarding to B. Arthur's part because, again, this was, you can tell this was a two-hour movie because they just spend <laughs> so much time on so much stuff. So aside, when you first put this thing on, this special, there's like a, a very small opening scene with Han and Chewie. And then for the next 12 and a half minutes, it's just Wookiees yeah. and there are no subtitles and it's just Wookiees talking and, and having scenes. And I'm taking notes while I watch always. And I was getting so frustrated and I was like, I'm so sorry. I love the Wookiees. They're adorable, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't anyway. So, okay. So let's get to B. Arthur's part. Um, so there, there's a, it's almost like a little standalone video. It's, it's a, so the Imperial Council is broadcasting a live video that is required yeah. viewing for all members of the Imperial Forces and recommended viewing for everybody else on Tatooine uh, to help you uh, maintain your upstanding citizenship. Anyway, it's called Life on Tatooine. This all felt very thrown together. Like people mm -hmm. were like, oh, I don't know. How do like how are we gonna set this up? I don't know. Anyway, we're in a lively bar. There are lots of creatures, some stormtroopers hanging out. B is behind the bar. Let us talk about her look. I she okay, you tell me. There was a moment. So she's wearing sort of like a brown frock. She has long her hair, she has it's a great like peasant blouse yes yes and her hair is sort of like uh there's obviously an extension on top of her gray hair and it's it's this long sort of whatever she has like it's like a whole hair number that she's experiencing side but, ponytail yeah so i mean because of course it's star wars like if you're going to be in another sort of planet you, you everyone has a side ponytail on other planets everyone knows that and she has this sort of brown frock on, you know, nothing, nothing too special about her, her outfit. But what I was so obsessed with was as she's going around the bar, you know, and we're seeing her sing the song. I thought it was a low cut back forever. I did too. Was it not? It's not. No, there's some sort of like uh, skin toned fabric 
that is on part <gasps> of her. So it, it sort of goes over her shoulder a little bit. So you see a bit of her shoulder, but there's some sort of fabric on her back that's keeping her back from being exposed. And I, as I was seeing it, I was like, is she exposing her back? Because I will tell you this now as a, as a drag artist, that there are parts of my body that are never seen in drag. And one of those parts is my back and is my arms, the upper parts of my arms. They just, you just don't see them. I'm very B. Arthur in that respect. You will never see those parts of me in drag. And if you do, it's a trick of the eye because there's like, there's flesh tone fabric that's hiding it or something like, you know what I mean? Like it's being hidden. And I was looking at B being like, did she expose her back? But no, she really didn't. There's some, so if you look close, there's some fabric there. I don't know if it was intentional to blend in to make it seem like her back or if it was a part of the outfit. I don't know, but I was very surprised. Wow. I, I genuinely, I thought I noticed those shots where it was like kind of a little bit behind yeah. her at the bar. I noticed that too. I said, wow, she's yeah. exposing some skin. Um, yeah. I wonder if, because, you know, watching it on YouTube, it's like such low resolution. It's like yeah. not the greatest quality. So I wonder if when it was initially on TV, if it looked any different. Um, wow, that's I wild. Know. I mean, um, you can see she's still revealing more than I've ever seen B. Arthur reveal, really. But mm -hmm. she, and which is not saying much because she's not revealing that much, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> like It's not like you're seeing boobs or anything. But she, it is, it is sort of like a very very feminine, almost like otherworldly, sexy B. Arthur look, which is such a strange sentence that I never thought I would say, but it is. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, it, it's a really, really good look. There's no Dorothy's Bornack in her look at all. None. Um, and these were also her mod days. She looked a little bit different, I feel like, when she was on mod. Um, she was a bit heavier. So, but, she, but, was, she, she hadn't mm -hmm. had her, her one of the best facelifts in the history of facelifts which she talked about so i'm not like shading or assuming anything and no she shame she hadn't had any of that yet so like we're seeing like regular b arthur aged moment here which i love right <clears throat> right and then so she's back behind the bar she's slinging drinks um she is you know she's doing her b arthur like it, it, she doesn't look like Dorothy's Bornack, but this character is Dorothy's Bornack. She's doing her kind of like dry, sarcastic, yes. like just strong-willed woman. Um, and, and Harvey Corman comes in. He kind of plays like a creepy guy. He like wants to give her a flower because he's obsessed with her. Um, anyway, let's play their introduction because it's pretty great. Hello, Acmina. Okay, we'll do it your way. Hello. Now we'll do it my way. What'll it be? Can we talk? Well, of course we can talk. We are talking. You're not ordering. I'm not pouring. We are not drinking. We are talking. I'm moving this to make room for a drink so the next time I say, what'll it be? And you tell me, I can put it You right know, if Dorothy's Bornack were a bartender on the Golden Girls, like this would have been her first scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say, people say that it's weird that B. Arthur did this. I don't think it is. I think it's weirder that Harvey... Corman is in this. I mean, he's just, <laughs> it, it's just weird. I don't understand why he's a part of this. He, I don't, I'm very confused, but I, I you know, I'm not because the special was, that was a, was a drug fever dream. So, you know. <laughs> it's definitely like, yeah, there's this very, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like 
you know, intergalactic fantasy. I'm sorry if these are all the wrong descriptors for it, but like she's <laughs> pouring alcohol into a hole on the top of his head out of a yeah. red plastic pitcher that you'd like take camping with your family in the nineties. Like yeah. that's what is going on here. Um, so, and he's obsessed with her because which that part I understand. Six, I understand. Of course, of course. But like, I feel like this is something that happens with bartenders is that like she, her whole thing that she says to everyone is come back soon. I'll be waiting. That's what she says when she, when people which leave the bar, cause she's friendly. Thing, which is such a sweet thing for a bartender to say. Yeah. Yeah. But also you're working for tips. So I feel like what this, what Harvey Corman has done in this scene as this character is he thinks he's special, even though she's a bartender, she's working for tips because she's probably not getting paid a lot of money. Mm. And I feel like this happens a lot with bartenders where, you know, being friendly and chatting is just kind of part of the job because you're face to face with someone. It's not like where you're a server where you walk away, you're at, you're behind the bar. Yeah. And I feel like he was sort of taking advantage of that. And I was feeling very defensive of her. Well, um, but also so how do we know that in the star Wars world, they work for tips. Maybe they exist in a culture where people earn a fair living wage. Like in Europe. Parts of Europe, yes. Parts of Europe, yes. Yes, perhaps, perhaps. So um, then a, uh, even though we're already in like a, like a, a scene within a scene, because this is already like a video that's being shown to people, a video is shown within that video um, where there's an announcement that's made that a curfew is being placed on Tatooine. So everybody has to go home and everybody grumbles and like, they don't want to leave. So yeah. B. Arthur's like, she's going to sing closing time by semi-sonic to be like, get the fuck out. <laughs> um, can you imagine the you ain't gotta go of home, planet-wide curfew? <laughs> exactly. What'd you say? Say that again. Sorry. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the hassle of a planet-wide curfew? Like think of the traffic, you know I mean, what I mean? We did it during COVID planet wide well planet wide sure but like i mean i can get i can see it and in some instances i'd support it i just think of like independence day where everybody yeah. was trying to like flee the cities and i don't know i just thought of the traffic i will say there is no um, greater moment in my life than at the time at the beginning of covid michael and i would sometimes drive around los angeles and there was no traffic on the streets and i was just like wow like it was jarring but at the same time, it was also kind of exciting because you never get that in Los Angeles. You never get that in Los Angeles. No. Um, so I think we should just dive right in and play yes. B. Arthur singing this yeah. song, which is another reason you know she signed on. Like her friends were like, hey, we're doing this thing. And she's like, can I sing? And they're like, sure, yes, we're going to write you a song. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> just one more round, friend. Then homeward bound. Friend, don't forget me in your dreams Just one more song, friend And then so long, friend The nights get shorter, it seems Just one more rhyme, friend Yes, it's a crime, friend But you know time, friend Time can fly so it's good night, friend. Good night, but not goodbye. I mean, it's not, it's not like 
my favorite B. Arthur number, but I enjoy it immensely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can tell, like, she's having fun with it. She's, yeah. you know, dancing with the different creatures. She's loving every she's single on a minute. Show. That's it, what this she is, does. That's what she does. Yes. This is, it's theater for B. Arthur. It's, it really is, it, it is, it is Blanche at the rusty anchor, yes. having the attention of everyone in the room. And that's what this is. She's telling everybody to get out, but it's, She's doing it in such a loving, warm way that you just, you know why everybody comes to this bar all the time. Is it the only bar in the area? Maybe, I don't know, but they go for her company. She's the only bartender. It feels like she probably owns the joint, yeah. you know? She's been, she's, they've um, known her for years. I mean, we all have those, those, I mean, I definitely have those spaces where like, especially when I was living in New York, where they were sort of like my touchstones. They were the places I would go to because I just knew everybody and I knew it was very much like Cheers. Now, question for you, unrelated to this, but about bars. When you, I don't know if you've ever been a bar person because our friendship has never existed in the bar space, but I have lived. Even though we met at a bar. <laughs> even though we met at a bar, you're right. But that was more of a German restaurant, but still, yes. yes. Um, and and I, even though I don't really drink, I love a bar. I love a bar, but... One thing I do not love about a bar is I have always thought it is extremely tacky to be at a bar when that light comes on and they say it's like last call. I hate that. I will never be at a bar for last call. To me, that is when I know I have a problem. I I mean, I don't tend, I mean, I don't really go to bars in LA, especially now that I have a baby. But when I lived in New York, I New York bars were open to like one or two in the morning and I was rarely out that late. Um so I don't think I've, I, I don't know that I've ever, ever closed a bar down in my life mm. that I can recall. Um, but I'm with you in that. I love, there was a bar in, when I lived in Brooklyn in Park Slope called High Dive mm. that I would go to all the time. And I loved that bar. My friends and I would go and they had a popcorn machine and there was always a place to sit. And it was, yeah, it was great. And my had... friend Courtney and I would go, what's that? That's how I had with Metropolitan Bar in Williamsburg as well. It's a gay bar in Williamsburg. Mm -hmm. It just was like a bunch of weirdos and it was just like a home. You know, I also had a show there for like yeah. years, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would, we would sit at the bar and I loved going in the wintertime when we would get hot toddies mm -hmm. and, and sip them. And it was really, yeah, I sort of, I miss it. I definitely miss New York. I do, um, I do too. But, missing but there lately. was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's wintertime. Like, you know, the, I just, I miss being, I, sometimes I miss the winter, but B. Arthur as this bartender, like she's singing, she's, she's walking around from person to person, talking to everybody. It really is like a good old rusty anchor performance. And then later there's a part of the song where it really revs up like a little high octane, if you will. Um, because nice nobody is leaving. Maestro, nobody's leaving. She needs them to get out. Um, so let's play the part where she essentially starts like a conga line.
She is the Kathy Hilton of a Star Wars universe. She, if anyone who's watched the last season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills understands that reference, that all Kathy Hilton wanted to do at that bar was start a conga line, and people were so angry about it, they didn't want to start a conga line. And I have a feeling she should have taken a note from B. Arthur. I'm, that went over my head. I do not watch any of those. Oh, you should. Um, it's gripping television. I can't. I it's there are too many of them, and I'm too. I'm too. I wa- I will watch Vanderpump, and that is all. That is all for me. Um. So okay, this song. You can tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong. But did the when it got into the like da 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 part of the song, did it remind you a little bit of Hava Nagila? Oh, interesting. I didn't get that when I listened to it, but now that you say it, I hear it. Wow. Yeah. I can kind of hear it a little bit. Yeah. I a little bit was like, I was like, oh, wait, I feel like I'm at a challenge bar mitzvah right now. It was a beautiful piece of music. I was like, I just wanted to get into a circle and dance with everybody. Um, So yeah, eventually everybody leaves except for Harvey Corman, who's there. Oh, like he's like the creepy like dude that like follows you out to your car. Yeah. Yeah. And he hands her a flower, but she does seem like a little bit flattered by it. So um, and that's B's scene in and a nutshell. So really. Good. It's such a stupid holiday moment of B. Arthur's career that you didn't know that you needed, but you do know that you need it now. It is I love it. It makes it it warms my heart. And I have to say. When I do go to Disneyland and I am in the Star Wars area, I think of B often because to me, she's my favorite Star Wars character, which I know if I said that to a true Star Wars fan, they would be like, okay, well, you're a loser. Like <laughs> they would be like, you don't understand Star Wars at all. And they're, you're right. I don't. All I know is that I love Princess Leia and I love B. Arthur. And that's my story. I also love Laura Dern in that one Star Wars movie where she has the pink hair and she like goes down with the ship. Sorry, spoiler alert, but it was pre-COVID catch up. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I love, those are my three characters that I love. You love Princess Leia, you love Akmina, and you love Laura Dern. Yeah. Um, Nothing wrong those with that. all of my, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, those were all of my notes that I had. Did you have anything else on, um, on the, the B. Arthur of it all or the scene or the Star Wars holiday in general? Anything no, else I do you have a Star Wars on? thing. I do have a Star Wars thing. If you had to, have you ever dressed up in, because you've done like cosplay before. Have you ever dressed up as a Star Wars character for like a Comic-Con or for anything like that? No, I've never dressed up as a Star Wars character. Somebody Photoshopped my face over I'm, Princess Leia's yes. face once. Yeah, I remember And that. when I had my web series called Geeking Out and that was like my Gmail photo for a while. So yes, people actually I thought that. I did cosplay. But no, the only person I've ever cosplayed as is B. Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> and Sophia. I And when did I dress up as Sophia? At Comic-Con. Didn't you go as Sophia to Comic-Con? No, I dressed up as Dorothy's Bornack at Comic-Con. Oh, at, 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 uh, was it New York Comic-Con? Or was it? No, it was out here. Yeah, it was no, Sandy- it was out here. I was at... I was at, was I at San Diego? I no. Were, and I, I thought did I could it, have swore Estelle, but I mean, you know, you know your life better than I do. <laughs> no, I, I dressed up as, it was during Comic-Con, but I was doing a crossover video with 
Neil McNeil, um, who also had a channel oh, from you know Neil at the McNeil. time. I was just texting. I him. know Neil McNeil. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. I literally just texted yep. him. We we have a we have a very texting friendly, loving relationship, and I love him to death. That's great. So we both had a web series called Geeking Out at the same time when we met at the YouTube space, and he was big on cosplay and loved Pokemon. Um, so we did an Ash Dorothy's Bornak collab where Should we he have did him a cosplay the together for his channel. We have him on the podcast. I would love that. Let's do I that. I would love that. We'll have him on that. for a uh, for a Golden Topics. Yeah. Well, I will say that um, my, I know I have never cosplayed in any Star Wars capacity. However, Michael and I did go to Star Wars night at Disneyland. They have a special extended hours ooh. night at Disneyland. Now, this is weird for me because I'm not neither. Oh, he is. He's a Star Wars person. He loves Star Wars. But I and his father love Star Wars. And I don't, I, I'm not, and his sister too. His whole family, basically. <laughs> but I don't get it. But I went, and I will say, it was so fun because all of these, like, I mean, excuse me, but weirdos were, and I say that in the most loving way, come to this one spot with their light-up sword thingies, and they all, like, stand- Lightsabers? Yeah, that. Did and you just call all... a lightsaber a light-up sword thing? Sorry, continue. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and at like midnight or whatever time it was, they, they're standing in front of the castle and like Darth Vader or whatever comes out and like says something and then everyone lifts up because they're part of the force. I don't understand the world or the terminology, but they lift up their swords at the same time and it was wild. And then the, the fireworks go and it's just insane. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that reminds me, I, for IMDb, I forgot I had a lightsaber. Oh, yes, you did. I remember lesson. This. I remember that. I watched That's that. what I yes. did. And yes. my hair was like Ray. I had like the two yeah. buns unintentionally because I don't think I had a hair and makeup person that day. That's right. And we had it. Tim Cash and I had a choreographed lightsaber battle. Man, ours was lame because we were so slow in the movements. But the two guys who were there teaching us. They did ones like they, they ran at each other and they, it was like really like intricate fencing. Wow. Um, yeah, they, it was really, really fun to play with lightsabers. Um, Maybe we should become that's right. people, but we're still going to stay Golden Girl stands forever. Should we take Absolutely. a break? Absolutely. Come back with a golden takeaway? Yeah. And then do it. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. We are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what's your golden takeaway from this episode? Hey, Talon Scott slash Lady Pines. I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> so I feel like ho- the holidays, Christmas time, it's a really great time of year to watch a great holiday special. Um, you know, it's, growing up, there were so many of them, like the cartoons, like Garfield and the Peanuts and Mickey. There's so many. But if you're going to watch a great Christmas special, and I'm sure so many of you have seen it because you're Golden Girls fans and it just feels like there's a good Venn diagram, watch it again. It's the Pee Wee Christmas special. Oh my God, it's, it's incredible. Iconic. It's the best in the it's world. It's iconic. There it is, is no other. Iconic. There is no other. 
It, so many amazing guest stars. It almost feels like a joke. It feels like a Tim Robinson sketch joke yeah. when Pee Wee is naming all of the guest stars. And it's the same way their faces pop mm -hmm. up and he's going like, there's a song in the background going like, Merry Christmas, Merry, Merry Christmas. And he's going, Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. Katie Lang, Charo, Magic Johnson, Oprah. Like, yeah. So Grace Jones, Annette Funicello. It insane. is insane. There's a million of it's it it gets to a point where it's it's so funny. It's comical how long it's going on. I love Pee-wee so much. Yeah. I love everything about Pee-wee. And the Christmas special is like it is up there. Before you do your golden takeaway, do you have a favorite Christmas special? I mean, Pee-wee is definitely up there because Pee-wee, I will say. I've said this before, but I don't know if it's necessarily true, but he has had a huge influence on my drag in general. Because when I envision a live show, like if I do a solo live show as Sadie or any sort of live show where I'm hosting and doing stand-up, Pee-wee is always my go-to source. The way Pee-wee shapes the absurdity of his, his shows is just everything. And I respond to it on so many levels. It's just, I, it's just perfect. It's perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, so my favorite special though, what is my favorite special? That's so hard for me because I have so many, I love, I love a holiday moment in general. I will say my favorite special, you know, <laughs> this is so cheesy of me, but it's not a Christmas special. It's a Thanksgiving special, but I love Lady Gaga's Thanksgiving special with the Muppets. I love the Muppets in general, anything the Muppets do, Christmas related, holiday related, Halloween related, anything related, they could do a, uh saint patrick's day special which would be very strange but i would watch it because i would love it i love the involvement of the muppets in any capacity in any special and that one with lady gaga was lots of fun and part of my golden takeaway i guess would be i guess if you're listening to this like on the day it comes out and you're in los angeles come to my show on thursday because you might just see a muppets reference i'm not gonna say anything else but you might just see a muppets reference now if you can't obviously I will be posting the Muppets reference after the show. So on like Friday or this weekend or something. But yeah, yeah, I love the Muppets. That's my golden takeaway is I love the Muppets. Can that be my golden takeaway? That can absolutely be your golden takeaway. I also love the people that are at the show. They're going to know exactly what that Muppets reference is before the people on the yes. internet. And that's it's such a true. special feeling. It's true. And to be in the room for this moment, uh, you're not going to recognize me. It's going to be incredible. I'm I was given a little hint before we started recording about what I it flat is, out told you because I know you can't come. So I flat out told you. <laughs> yeah, it was beyond a hint, but it's very exciting. And I know that people are going to lose their minds when they see it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Wow. This has been such an adventure. What a wild ride through the Star Wars holiday special <laughs> that neither one of us watched. Um, Thank you all guys so much for listening. We will be back next week with another holiday treat for ho, another ho, episode ho. of Beyond Golden Girls. Ho, ho, ho. I love it. Guys, we are part of Hoo Ha Ha. So go listen to them because they are fantastic. And you can follow us on social media at Twitter at Golden Girls Pod, on Instagram at Out on the Lanai Official, Facebook Golden Girls Pod, and I, me, I, MHL Scott slash Sadie Pines on everything and i'm squidzy on instagram and squid eat 
squid on Twitter. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us wherever you get the podcast, because the more ratings we get, the more the show will get bumped up and the more people will discover it and join our lovely kick-ass community of Golden Girls fans. And remember, wait, and as, as always, always, remember, remember <laughs> stay, stay golden. golden. I like how I couldn't even say it and the words are right in front of me. <laughs> They're written. They are written you for you. See the biggest gift